But let's look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27. Here God is speaking. And I will give you a new heart. He's talking about what's going to happen in the future. This is in the Old Testament. He's talking about what his plans are for man. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God's intention throughout human history was that he would put his spirit within you. He would remove the heart of stone. He would remove this sinfulness and he would put the spirit in you so that you would obey. You would naturally now obey his commands. You would do what he, not just what he wants you to do, but what's best for you to do what is wisest for you to do. We think in our culture that freedom is doing whatever you want. If it feels good, you should be able to do it. It's actually freedom. The scripture is very clear that whatever you obey, this is from Romans 6, you become a slave to whatever or whoever you're obeying. That It's the obedience. You're actually not free. If you choose to sin and obey what the evil one is saying, you will become a slave to that. If you choose to obey God, you become, as Paul says, a servant or a slave to Jesus Christ, which is what we're hoping to do. We don't like to use that language because it sounds like someone is controlling you. But that's... Essentially, you get to decide... And the fruit are going to be either good or bad fruit. So you get to decide who you want to control you, but someone is going to, something is going to, good or evil. But God's intention is that he was going to put his spirit within you. And now listen to Paul speaking in Colossians chapter 1. Now we're going to go to the New Testament. Colossians 1.26 from the ESV. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Mystery hidden for ages, now revealed to the saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ living in you, the hope of glory of glory. God said in Ezekiel, I want to put my spirit within you. Now, he says, Jesus living in you. It's a mystery. I think many of us are still, this is still mysterious to us, which is why I've I've never seen anyone lay it out like this. Because you can't feel the spirit and you can't see the soul. And now I'm making everything graphically visible. Obviously, the metaphor loses something. Because the Spirit, theoretically, is everywhere within you. But what you take into your soul, how much time you spend with the Word of God, and how much time you spend watching the news, or reading the paper, or magazines that have spiritual content that is not honoring to God, 
listening to music that does not have God-honoring lyrics, which is playing in most of the grocery stores today or any other store you would go into. This theme that is not honoring to God is not helping your spirit. It is helping you stay soulish. Most of the secular songs talk about how to get what you want or someone breaking up or some love that you have. It's, it's very material. It's very world-centered. And if you're not catching that with your spiritual side, you will just say, oh, that's a cute jingle, isn't it? And you won't notice what's affecting your soul. Very much the material world and a lot of fear. And what is in the soul naturally overflows into the body. So if you're having illness, if you're having problems, what is in the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotion, the things that you think about, the things that you feel, the things that you desire will naturally affect the body, specifically the immune system. So we want the Spirit of God to help our soul Put us at peace. Shalom is the Hebrew word for that. We want to be at peace. We want to have not necessarily just entertainment. We actually want to have joy, the joy of the Lord. I don't know if you can tell when I'm teaching, I have a lot of joy. But I enjoy telling you the things of God. It just comes out through me. I believe it's also the joy that God has in having his word understood and proclaimed, not just for information, but for transformation. The other verse I wanted to, to read is Ephesians 1.13, which talks about being sealed. Ephesians 1.13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I say that because once we receive the Spirit, most of us believe if we sin, that God leaves. Why? Because if we feel guilty, we don't sense his presence. He must be angry with us. And the reason that I read Ephesians 1.13 is that this area now is, it's sealed. It can't go anywhere. It can't leave. It's, it's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are staying. They can't become tarnished. They can't become dirty. Now your body and your soul can but the spirit in you is sealed. And you need to understand that so that your Christian life is not always like this. Oh, I did it again. Oh, I ate that donut. I shouldn't. I have to do penance now until God comes again. If I run it off, if I work it off, maybe he'll come back. He's not leaving. So, in fact, he is actually there even to help comfort you as you're dealing with your failure. You had a craving. You heard the voice of the Holy Spirit said, why don't you go for a walk right now? You seem upset after that telephone call. 
but you say, I want that donut. I think that's what I want. And so you exerted your will. You actually quenched the Holy Spirit. Will quenching the Holy Spirit make it harder for you to hear from God? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I find is helpful is uh, repentance. I find being a quick being a quick confessor, a quick repenter, is very, very healthy. It's called humility. Yeah. And God, what does he do to someone who repents or confesses or shows humility? Does he move away or does he move toward? Toward. Jesus is walking on earth. Basically, he's, I, I seem like a fishing boat trolling. He's looking for anyone who responds to his humility. Did most people respond to his humility? Not that you would notice. They responded to getting healed. They responded to getting the demons cast out of them. But when it came time to be humble, nobody wanted much to do with that, especially not the administration. But God loves humble people, and humble people just own it. Take responsibility for it, because you know that your Father has your back. And therefore, you can afford to be honest. You can afford to be humble, even if it costs you. I've said a lot. I want to pause right there, and I want you to go through with God what you think about being sealed. Is this the way that you respond when you mess up? Or what is your operating system when you mess up? Do you quickly go to guilt? Do you start blaming others? Do you start in your self-flagellation? What is it that takes you, how can you get essentially back to this relationship, get your peace back, your joy back? What is your pathway back? I want you to think about that. I'm going to give you a minute. What is your pathway back to God when you have messed up? Let's get to know ourselves a little bit better. As we're looking at this model, I want to... Keep reading scripture to you and have you look at the scripture and compare it to what we're talking about, spirit, soul, and body, so that you become wiser. God wants you to know how you're made. It says um, we have a spirit, soul, and body. What, what are they doing? So let's, let's listen to Paul speaking in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 16 from the ESV. That according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, within us, fullness of God, all of it's within us. I don't know about you, but most of us are looking 
for something outside of us. That is, it's not bad, but I wonder if we would be better at hearing the word of God if we actually realize that God is in us. Most of us, because it feels very distant, has a lot to do with our experience with parenting, all kinds of things, why we feel God is distant. And we can talk about all of that, but really I want to talk about how to fix it. First of all, get the truth. What does the truth look like? And then we can look at, okay, yeah, that actually the scripture seems to back up this model, that Jesus lives in me, sealed in me. In fact, Jesus says, I'm in the Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you. It's very actually so confusing about who's in who. Sort of like the Trinity is confusing who's in who. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. He, his plan was for us to be at that level. He made us a little lower than Elohim, it says, the angels, we interpret that. But we are meant to be much more than most of us realize. But we have to focus on and get our minds focused on who God is, what he's like, what he wants. To do that, sometimes there are things in our lives we're going to have to give up. There are things that maybe even we enjoy that we might need to give up. Things that don't serve a purpose to bringing us more joy and God knowledge and love of God. Specifically the things we watch, the things we listen to. I'm going to even say the people that some of us spend time with. I'll give a testimony. The last couple of years I've had to set boundaries with some people who have wanted historically just to be around me. I'm very encouraging. I want to encourage everyone. And I realize some people were taking advantage of that, but these certain people, I didn't want to disappoint them. And we all know that there are people in our lives that we dare not disappoint. They're going to get angry. Oh, they're going to think this. Oh, they may say something about, oh, they're going to tell so-and-so. We have this mental, it's actually slavery. So we cannot be ourselves. We cannot set boundaries with people. So I want to pause right now after I've said that. I want you to ask the Lord, are there people in your lives, People, these were people for me that also were fairly negative. And just to be with them, I had to also say, yeah, yeah, that's terrible. Or I, I had also to focus on the negative, which is using my soul and feeding my soul the negative. What happens when you feed the soul negative? Where does it flow? Your body starts feeling negative. Everything from the soul is going to flow into your body. So as I said, oh, you know, whether it's politics, whether it's religious stuff, all these disagreements, be careful how much negativity you take in. It's possible you need to set some boundaries with, with people, with what you listen to, with what you watch, so that you are protecting this spiritual side of you because your goal actually is to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Are you being opposed? Absolutely you're being opposed. 
There is a whole kingdom of evil that wants to make sure that you are not controlled by the Spirit of God. It's a still, small voice. But we've all got phones, we've all got iPads, we've all got video. It's hard to be quiet and hear the voice of God. Is it possible you need to create some space? I want to give you a minute of silence to talk with God about, is there, are there some changes you need to make that, would, that he will help you with? About a minute of silence now. Any questions before we uh, before we close? Yes. How did you get where you are? <laughs> How did I get where I am? In <laughs> thirty seconds or less. How did I get where I am? The word I would say is Sabbath. Sabbath. 24 hours a week, uh, I attempt, usually successfully, to shut off my phone. That that time is reserved for God. That's time when I speak to Him. That's time when I listen to Him. That's time when I read the Scriptures and I connect all of these dots. And I ask Him the questions, why is Christianity not working for most people? Well, maybe it's not actually the Christian... Christianity. Maybe it's something else. Maybe we've got some traditional stuff that we do, but how is it supposed to work? What are the nuts and bolts of this psychologically, physically, with the brain, with the spirit? What is God intending for me? Am I living out my destiny? And so as I've taken time, one-seventh of the week, which most people would say is a lot of time, but it's also time of rest. It's a time that I am able legally to rest. I am supposed to take that time off that I, I shouldn't be doing the laundry. I shouldn't be trying to, to take care of a, just a few things. Now, I'm a little careful not to be overly legalistic about it because, but there's a reason. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It's because this is the way you're made. That if you decide that you are going to work you're going against your design, and pretty soon the reason God gives for taking a Sabbath is you used to be slaves in Egypt. You're no longer slaves. If you're working seven days a week, you are a slave, even if you're making good money at it. You're living like a slave. It's, it's from exactly what I'm telling you. Where is it that you need to pull back so that you can start to develop? What relationships for you are not yielding fruit? If you've been talking to the same person, believing that, oh, if I'm just super nice to this person, I'm sure they're going to ask me about Jesus sooner or later, at least not mind if I talk about Jesus. Years have gone by. They've never asked you. But let's talk to the Lord about, is, is that a good use of your time? Oh, they might think I'm, I'm aloof if I walked away. You know, you are responsible for your time. You're actually responsible to God for your time. It's actually not, not yours if you've given your life to Christ. So we need to be asking the question, not that some people are worth more, but if you've sown in that field, maybe it's time to sow in another field. And if the relationship, how I can tell, is that when you get the text or when you get the email, it takes you about 10 minutes to try to write, write it back. You don't want to offend them, you're trying to avoid them, but you're trying to do it really nicely. Clue. Your body's saying, this is a dangerous person for you. You're not free. 
you are not free to write whatever you want because they'll understand and they love you anyway. You had better craft it just right so that maybe it's time to back off from that. Oh, but it's going to take some courage now, isn't it? You don't, there's a reason you haven't backed off from that relationship. Because it takes courage to set boundaries with people who are going to be offended. In the last hour, we just talked about David and Goliath. Maybe your Goliath is setting a boundary with someone who's big, gigantic in your mind, angry, and potentially would hurt you if you don't set, if you do something. I'll leave that between you and God to hear from him this week. Father, we thank you for uh, the people who've come. We thank you that we can hear from you. You've designed us to hear from you, and we will. We believe you. We receive you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, into us. Open our receivers and speak to us. Remove the blocks so that we can communicate as you intended. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Okay, bye-bye.